Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by my favorite college in America, Hillsdale College, which proudly refuses every penny of government funding to remain independent. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. Let me ask you a question, America. If prior to our entrance into World War II, the German or the Japanese fleet started cutting off our destroyers, Would that not be a major concern for the entire country? And if the week before they had sent a fighter jet up to come within God knows how close to one of our spy planes in international airspace, would that be a concern? And if the The head of the military in communist China refused to meet with our Secretary of Defense. Would that be a concern? And I could go on and on and on. It would be a great concern. I don't know how else to express this, but we have a huge problem in this country. And it's not just among Democrats. We have some pseudo-conservatives who've lost their damn minds. They claim to care about America first, but they blame America first. We have every right to transit that area of the world. We've been doing it forever. It doesn't belong to the Communist Chinese, the South China Sea. Almost $7 trillion of economic activity travels through that international waterway. This same communist China is having battles, military skirmishes with India on its border, threatening Japanese islands, threatening Philippine islands, claiming waters off of Vietnam, It's got phony islands that it has built, militarized, throughout this area now. It has anti-carrier missile systems built specifically to destroy our aircraft carriers. It has killer satellites way advanced beyond what we have, since we don't build those sorts of things. It's hypersonic technology far exceeds ours. Because we wouldn't invest in it. It has a deep water base of the Solomon Islands, which is in the middle of the Pacific. And there's only one reason to have that, to attack us. It has management control over both ends of the Panama Canal, which we built. It's got up to 27, 27 
facilities, locations for their military in our hemisphere in violation of the Monroe Doctrine. It's got a port on the western side of Africa, which faces the United States. It is almost 100% control over cobalt in the Congo. Lithium, 80% control. We're surrendering to their economic activity because our strength is in fossil fuels. They're building two coal power plants every week. They're receiving oil from the Iranians without us stopping them in violation of these sanctions. And they've about doubled their defense budget. It's hard to know because they lie and this, the, the line between civilian and defense over there is uh, really quite nebulous. So I get an email from a friend of mine. Who says, I saw one of your tweets where you said we need to spend more on defense. We could actually cut defense 20% and still be prepared if we prioritize the right things. I have to hear from the America First crowd that they don't believe in America First. They believe in America Last. We're the imperialists. We're the colonials. They sound like Marxists. They sound like Marxists. Communist China, listen, is preparing for war. As a matter of fact, they are prepared for war. They're just muscling up further. No debates over there. Imperial, colonialist, let's cut it 20%. Nothing. Not a word. They're moving forward. Anyone gets in the way, they crush them. They're strengthening their grip over their domestic society the way the Germans did, the way the Japanese did, the way the Italians did before World War II. They violated their agreement with Britain 50 years early, and they destroyed Hong Kong, which was really the freest place on the earth even freer than the United States. They understand that we have an agreement with Taiwan, the Taiwan Act, where we don't explicitly say we'll come to their defense, but that's the implication. And they don't care. They've already said among themselves, it's been reported, that America's in decline and they're in the ascendancy. Whether you believe that or not, and unfortunately I do, but whether you do or not, that's their psychology. And when you have a psychology like that, you're going to pounce. So concerned are they about the United States' response that they send a massive spy balloon over the continental United States. They don't care what we think about it. Cutting off our destroyers, threatening our spy planes, building 
phony islands in the South China Sea, making demands on the East China Sea as well. They could knock out our electrical grid. It's not prepared. It's not defended. They are looking at all options. All options. Cyber warfare. Space warfare. Missile warfare. Hypersonic missiles. They have more ships than we do now. More military ships than we do. A country of 1.4 billion people. We have 320 million. We're a rounding error. And at the same time, our military is being hollowed out. We're not meeting our enlistment numbers because young men and women who have the mindset to fight for this country, they do not want to deal with CRT. They don't want to be treated. They don't want to be treated that way. And so the numbers are way down. They saw what happened in Afghanistan when we surrendered. They see that Iran keeps punching us in the nose in the Middle East, and they laugh. Biden now is begging the Iranians, begging the Iranians to accept the deal that the Iranians have no intention of complying with. Israel's going to be on its own. And we're not paying attention to this. Oh, a story will come across, but it's not a headliner. It's not a headliner. It's wild. Did you see what they did to us? Yes. Okay. Let's go to Jamie Raskin about indicting Trump. We're not prepared psychologically, philosophically, physically, that is militarily. We are not prepared for this. I expect this from the Democrats, although it's still sickening. But we have a weak underbelly within the conservative movement and in the Republican Party. Now that doesn't mean we support intervening everywhere. I don't have any more times I have to say this. I'm talking about communist China now. We now have people saying, friends of mine, or associates, I should say, what does Taiwan have to do with us? All right, so we don't help Ukraine when they're invaded. We don't help Taiwan when we're invaded. I tell you, this sounds like the 1930s and 40s. The hell with everybody. And then suddenly you look around and you go, "Uh uh-oh. Uh-oh, geopolitically, they control this lane, this airspace, this waterway, this continent. They're building forward bases. They're putting missiles on those bases. They're building phony islands. They're putting missiles and ships on those islands. How is this in our national security interest? Don't we learn anything? There's always been this sort of, look, forget about the left. We know how rotten and evil the left are. We know they'd sell us out in two minutes because they do and they have. 
We know they hate America. That they're destroying us from within. I'm not talking about them. Anybody can talk about them. And how many dare speak about what's going on in our own community? Increasing our defense budget by 3%? Doesn't even keep up with inflation? What do you think Reagan would say? Oh, forget about Reagan. Yeah, he only defeated the Soviet Union. What do you think Thatcher would say? Oh, forget about Thatcher. Yeah, okay. It's incredible who we're supposed to forget about than the Democrats remember. Here's the problem. If we're attacked and we don't have a sufficient standing army, there will be a draft. That's the way it works. And they want to draft girls too, not just boys. There will be a draft. And if we're attacked, once again we'll be on defense like we were in World War II which means we're going to lose a hell of a lot more people than we would otherwise lose if we were on our toes rather than on our heels. Can our industries come to our support the way they did in the 1940s? The answer is no. The captains of industry aren't captains of industry anymore. They're pushing DEI and ESG Wokeism, they're a disgusting disgrace, and most of them are unpatriotic, anything for a buck. That's the situation. Astonishing moment, writes the Daily Mail. Chinese warship cuts off U.S. destroyer and misses it by 150 yards in Taiwan Strait during U.S. and Canadian drills as Beijing accuses them of deliberately provoking risk. You know what Beijing said in essence? What are you doing here? Why are you even coming through here? You're provoking us. You have no reason to be here. In essence, we own this waterway. You do? Oh, yeah. What are you doing here? This Chinese warship made a course change specifically to cut across our destroyer, and our destroyer slowed down. That's the first battle in World War III. They just won. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Making your weekend even better. 
This is the best of Mark Levin. You're hearing a lot of the word kamikaze lately in the same sentence as Chris Christie. And you're hearing that because we started it here. For months I've been saying he'll be a kamikaze candidate just trying to take out Trump and DeSantis. Haven't I said that, Mr. Producer? It's all over the place now. Rush used to call it an echo chamber. It starts right here and spreads out. It's exactly what happens. I want to play this again because I, I rushed it at the bottom of the last hour and I want to get into this more. BlackRock. I want you to remember that name. BlackRock. It's not hard to remember. It's this massive, I think it's the biggest financial institution in the world. And it uses your pension monies, many of you, particularly if you're in the public sector, but also in the private sector. It uses these pension monies to provide capital, loans, investment dollars, purchase stock, and so forth, of many major corporations in this country. And the CEO there, Larry Fink, that's not a hard word to remember. In fact, his first name should be Rat. Rat Fink. By the way, who is white. He's so concerned about diversity. It's another rich, white, left-wing kook. And he's saying, look, we're forcing behaviors. We're forcing behaviors. And so you see the clothing show up in the children's section. All over the country in different major department store chains. And you're pushing back exactly as you should be. Companies have to make decisions. It's either Larry Fink, who's helping to destroy the culture, or it's the customers. But there are Larry Finks all over the place. There are rat Finks all over the place. This guy is just such an egomaniac and a publicity hound. He drew attention to himself. Now again, they're running ads all over the place. Black Rock. And you'll see kids riding their bikes and families and they're out in parks. They're having a grand old time. It's propaganda. This guy's no damn good. He's no damn good. And Rat Fink, if you want to come on the program, we'd love to have you. Here we go. Cut one, go. You, you now make a point of that's, that's an investment criteria for you. Well, behaviors are going to have to change, and this is one thing we're, going to, we're asking companies. Listen to how sanctimonious this little bastard is. You know, I know billionaires, and I know billionaires. I know many of them. Not by choice. They contact me for the most part. And most of them are very, very kind people. Very smart people, very driven people. But every now and then, you meet a real slob. A real bully. A real egomaniac. Some of them look disheveled. They can barely speak. Not most of them. Some of them. This guy dressed up in a suit and a jacket. When he should be wearing camouflage out on the street. Part of the Antifa crowd. And yet he's in charge. 
You know, you folks out there, you ought to find out who is managing your pension monies, particularly if you're in a union. Who is managing your pension monies? Ultimately. Well, you might say, well, my union is. No, it's not. No, it's not. They pay for a group like BlackRock to do it. And BlackRock makes money all over the place. It makes money as the manager of your pension funds, and it makes money turning around, taking that same money and loaning it to this company or buying this investment and so forth. So we're going to, well, behaviors are going to have to change, and we're going to make them change, damn it. This is why DeSantis is so smart. He went after Disney. He knows what's going on with Disney and Iger. And these financial institutions that are behind them. He says, no, Chris Sununu's too stupid to understand it. Chris Christie's all for it. Chris Christie hasn't lifted a finger to fight the culture wars. I don't even know if he could lift a finger unless he was eating a hot dog. But you get my point. You get my point. Start at the top, please. Go. You, you now make a point of that's, that's an investment criteria for you. Well, behaviors are going to have to change. And this is one thing we're, going to, we're asking companies. Uh, you have to force behaviors. And at BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors. Uh, 54% of the incoming class are women. We, we added 54% of the incoming class are women. He doesn't say we have the smartest class we ever had. Why don't you force those behaviors? He's not saying we have the most motivated class we've ever had. Why don't you force those behaviors? The most innovative class we've ever had? Instead, we have 54% women. Who cares? We have to force behaviors. And by picking groups of people and emphasizing that over individual merit, You're destroying individualism, and you're pushing groupism. When you're getting an operation, do you care if it's a woman or a man? Do you care what the person's race is? You just want the best surgeon you can get. Am I correct? Now, I think liberals should have to live by the behaviors that they're forcing. I think people based on physical characteristics should be operating on them, not based on merit. This is going on in our medical schools now. It's going on in our law schools. We're going to have an entirely new generation that will one day be running the country. And this will be their mindset because... Pieces of crap like Rat Fink Larry are forcing behaviors like he's some kind of god. And there's a very few number of politicians, even conservatives, who are willing to stand up to it. And when they do, they come under attack by our own rhinos. Go ahead. In terms of diverse uh, employment this year, and it, if it, you know what we are doing internally. Now what if you're one of these people? Who doesn't get a job because of their diverse employment practices? 
You want to build a career. You have a family to feed. You have all the interests of any human being. You've gone to school. You've worked hard. You want to get a job at BlackRock. And you're passed over. Is that the American dream? No. You don't have an opportunity. That's exactly why we're supposed to believe in a colorblind society. That's exactly why you you choose people based on individual merit. That's exactly why God gave each and every one of us free will. Larry Fink doesn't know most of the people that they're hiring over there at the $10 trillion BlackRock. But he's proud of his statistics. He's proud of his statistics. Go ahead. If you don't achieve these levels of impact, your compensation could be impacted. Okay. So in other words, we have quotas around here, as well as quotas that we impose on other companies. We're the biggest financial institution on the face of the earth, and we have a ton of clout. Don't screw around with us. Don't screw around with us. We're here to change behaviors. Nobody elected us. Nobody even knows we're doing it. Nobody even knows who we are. This is what I mean by corporatists, which I've been talking about for 20 years. And this is what I mean now that they're the enemy. They're the enemy. You know, Charles Payne was on my show on Fox Sunday. He made a brilliant point. You would think it's obvious, but it's not. The automobile industry, while it seems to be squawking about the switch from fossil fuels to electric vehicles, they're going to make out like bandits. They're going to change the fleet of cars, millions and millions of cars, over a very truncated period of time and force people to buy their new cars. The government's doing that, and they're really all in. They're all in. Because they don't care. Make more money. Have electric vehicles. Go ahead. Same thing. And so it's just, it, you have to force behaviors. And if you don't force behaviors, whether it's gender or race or just any way you want to say the composition. So here's a white male guy going on about forcing behaviors. So sick of being lectured by pukes like this, aren't you? Another billionaire who's smarter than everybody else. You ever bump into a billionaire? Most of you haven't. They're dumb as a rock. And you think to yourself, how did you make the money? Because they're stupid lucky in some cases. Stupid lucky. Go ahead. Team, you're going to be impacted. And that's not just not... Recruiting, it is development, as Ken said. And ultimately, it's still going to take time, but I am just as much shocked as Ken is that we have not seen more opportunities, and we're going to have to force change. All right, Mr. Producer, I want you to save this clip, and I want you to invite Larry Fink on the program. Or is he another coward like Chris Christie? I want you to invite Larry Fink on the program. If I were a betting man, we wouldn't have, uh, it's unlikely. 
Mark Levin. You are listening to the best of Mark Levin. Smoke from Canadian wildfires have poured into the U.S. as Breitbart reports on the East Coast and the Midwest. Covering the capitals of both nations in an unhealthy haze, sending school recess indoors, prompting people to fish out pandemic-era face masks. While Canadian officials expanded evacuation orders and asked other countries for help, fighting more than 420 fires nationwide, air quality, with what the U.S. rates as hazardous levels of pollution, extended into central New York with massive tongues of unhealthy air extending as far as Virginia and Indiana. In Baltimore, where officials warned residents to stay indoors when possible and limit outdoor exertion, Debbie Funk sported a blue surgical mask. Well, there's Debbie with her mask. And it has wildfire season started early this year, accelerated very early, exhausting firefighting resources across the country. Smoke from the blazes in various parts of the country has been lapping into the U.S. since last month, but intensified with a recent spate of fires in Quebec, where more than 100 fires were burning and considered out of control. And it goes on. And the morons are talking about climate change. The fires were started in one case by campers and most of them by lightning. And the morons are going on about climate change. Always an opportunity. Always an opportunity. No, it's not climate change. It's the incompetent ruling class ideologues who don't know how to manage our forests. They've been saying for decades, nature will take care of nature. Let nature deal with the old growth and the, and the dead fallen trees and limbs. Let nature deal with it. Well, nature's dealing with it. What's the problem? And we have the Interior Department, the EPA, the Ag Department, all blocking the clearing of dead trees and, and old growth. Blocking logging, which is the smartest way to take care of this sort of thing. When you have ideologues in charge of life and death situations, this is what you get. You also get brownouts and blackouts. You also get shortages of water and shortages of electricity. This is what they do. Why? Because they're idiots. And I notice nobody's talking about the lack of competent forest management or wildlife management. Well, you go in and you clear this stuff out as best you can. Canada is a big damn country. Doesn't have a lot of people either. Doesn't have a lot of people either. Now we have clocks on monitors on TV screens showing us where the smoke is worse. Earth cams, drones, climate change. Nothing to do with climate change. It's called lightning. It's called idiots who throw cigarette butts down, who don't know how to put out campfires. Idiots. And so we have these disasters. 
We have these disasters. If you go look at the Liberty and Tyranny, I have a, <laughs> and I've read it to you, page after page after page of how the media in America and the Democrat Party are one and the same. Cite everything and anything as evidence of climate change. Must be, must be nice. We don't really need science. You just make accusations and allegations. You just, you just say stuff. People, you must surrender your way of life. We must destroy capitalism. Oh, yes. We must do all these things to prevent climate change. You must give up your cars, your gas stoves, your gas lawnmowers, your washing machines, your dryers, your HVAC system, your window air conditioning systems. You must give up your toasters. Give it all up. Give it up. And give it up fast. Look what's happening. Look what's happening. So you have no time to think about what they're saying. No time to think about what they're saying. Preposterous. And so you have these horrific events that get worse. Worse. Because the idiot who leads Canada is an idiot. The idiot who leads the United States is an idiot. That's the problem. The most incompetent, ideologically driven ruling class in our history. I mean, we've had fires before. where We didn't have technologies that were even capable of coming close to slowing them or cutting them off or what have you. Just a whole lot of human resources and a lot of buckets. And a lot of buckets. And this happened before. But there are ways to limit the damage. There are ways to limit what takes place. But instead, the idiots at the Interior Department, the idiots at the Agriculture Department, the idiots at the EPA, the the idiots at the, the equivalent agencies and departments in Canada, let nature do it. Okay. Mother Nature can be a you-know-what. And she's doing it. So it's burn, baby, burn. And the smoke, the pollution, the fog is enormous. As the various airstreams bring it towards the east coast and the midwest of the United States. The airstreams coming out of Canada. No, no, you don't understand. It's the automobile. No, it's not. You don't understand it's, it's American smokestack industries. No, it's not. It's none of these things. And so there you have it. Climate change. They throw this phrase out, and that phrase means everything and anything, because it's been used by the Marxist left to destroy our economic system and to continue to attack prosperity and your way of life. The things that make your life easier, in many ways make it freer, make it tolerable, cool during the summer, warm during the winter, mobile, so you can get from point A to point B without a whole lot of hassle, they're all under attack. So you can live in a nice home under attack. 
All of it. Climate change. Mark Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. Pat Robertson passed away. He's a very, very kind man, very decent man. Every time I spoke to him, loved his country, loved his faith, loved his fellow Americans, and was very, very concerned about the future of America. And uh, did all he could in his lifetime to try and save us. But it's going to take a lot more, isn't it? I'm afraid. I want to talk about the Donald Trump situation. But before I do, you may have heard of a case that nobody was really following um, involving redistricting in Alabama, Louisiana. And it could affect the majority status down the road of the Republicans as well in the House. Redistricting is supposed to be race-neutral. That's what the Constitution compels. That's what the Supreme Court, up until today, has compelled. Race-neutral. If a state takes race into consideration, that in and of itself can be unconstitutional. We reject proportionate representation, that is, if you have 25, 27% of the population, let's say, is black, and it represents one-seventh of a state, then blacks get two seats that are predominantly black. Gwani, uh, uh, Guineer, uh, Lonnie Guineer used to support that position. She was a radical leftist, and that has been rejected as racist. And yet that's exactly what the Supreme Court did today. And incidentally, if you pack all blacks or Latinos or Jews or whatever into single districts, so they have a black congressman or a Latino congressman or a Jewish congressman, you're not doing them any favors. Why? Because that's one congressman. If in fact that population is distributed more evenly in surrounding districts, they could have two or three congressmen. Two or three. But if they're packed into one, they have one district. This is something the Democrat Party and minority organizations continue to fight for. They continue to insist that they want these Packed districts. Proportional representation. Because typically they vote Democrat. In fact, almost always they vote Democrat. The Supreme Court today in a 5-4 decision written by Chief Justice John Roberts and supported by Kavanaugh as well as the three leftists on the court abandoned that, that notion altogether. I want to give you an example of what actually, what took place in Alabama. Because people who don't live in the South or people who don't live in in Alabama just go, you know, it's racist. No, it's not. That's not what happened here. 
Not in the least. The example I just gave you is Alabama. 26% of the voting population age is black. So the court determined that they ought to have two black seats. Out of seven. And that's all they'll get. Ever. But that doesn't mean that black people are properly represented. Maybe they would have won other seats. As Democrats, not necessarily as blacks. So Clarence Thomas writes a scathing dissent, which is why the Democrats are constantly trying to destroy him, his wife, and have him removed from the court. The plaintiffs in these cases seek a proportional allocation of political power according to race, he said. According to the 2020 census, black Alabamans account for 27% of the state's population, 26% of its voting population, both figures slightly less than two-sevenths. Of Alabama's seven existing congressional districts, one, District 7, is majority black. These cases were brought to compel, quote, the creation of two majority-minority congressional districts, roughly proportional control. Remarkably, the majority fails to acknowledge that two minority-controlled districts would mean proportionality, or even that black Alabamans are about two-sevenths of the state. If that context is critical to the issues before us, not least because it explains the extent of the racist sorting the plaintiff's goal would require. In other words, it's supposed to be race neutral, but Thomas is saying this would compel racial and racist sorting of the people in the state. As a matter of mathematics, single-member districting tends to deal out representation far short of proportionality to virtually all minorities, from environmentalists in Alaska to Republicans in Massachusetts. As such, creating two majority black districts would require Alabama to aggressively sort voters on the basis of race, and nothing more. He says the plaintiff's 11 illustrative maps make that clear. All 11 maps refashion existing District 2 into a majority black district while preserving the current black majority in District 7. They all follow the same approach, starting with black majority areas and populations in Montgomery County, Montgomery, Alabama. They expand District 2 east and west to encompass predominantly Majority black areas throughout the rural black belt. In the process, the plans are careful to leave enough of the black belt for District 7 to maintain its black majority. Then, and critically, the plans of District 2, so we're talking about District 2 and 7, extend a southwestern tendril into Mobile County to capture a dense, highly populated majority black cluster, uh, cluster in urban Mobile. Those black mobilians currently reside in the urban heart of District 1. For 50 years, District 1 has occupied the southwest pocket of Alabama, consisting of the state's two populous Gulf Coast counties, Mobile and Baldwin, as well as some less populous areas to the immediate north and east. It is indisputable that the Gulf Coast region is the sort of community of interest that the Alabama legislature might reasonably think a congressional district should be built around. So we, they're saying, what he's saying really is, 
the Alabama legislature was race neutral because you have a community along the Gulf Coast. And so this will bust up that community. It contains Alabama's only coastline, its fourth largest city, and the Port of Mobile. It's physically, its physical geography runs north along Alabama Mobile Rivers, whose path District 1 follows. Its economy is tied to the Gulf, to shipping, shipbuilding, tourism, commercial fishing, and so forth. So here you have the state of Alabama not turning these districts into, you know, spaghetti and all the rest, where he's, oh, it's twisting here and there. They're following logical population and geographic lines. But for the plaintiffs, Thomas writes, to secure the majority black district too, this long-standing compact and eminently sensible district must be radically transformed. In the Gulf Coast region, the newly drawn District 1 will retain only the majority white areas that District 2 did not absorb on its path to Mobile's large majority black population. To make up the lost population, District 1 would have to extend eastward through largely majority white rural counties along the length of Alabama's border with the Florida Panhandle. The plaintiffs do not assert that white residents on the Gulf Coast have anything special in common with the white residents in those communities, and the district made no such finding. The plaintiffs masked with thus District 1 to the leftover white communities of the southern fringe of the state, its shape and constituents defined almost entirely by the need to make District 2 majority black, while also retaining a majority black District 7. So what you have here is the segregating of communities by John Roberts, Kavanaugh, and the liberals on the court. The segregating of, of communities in order to make an additional black majority district and the stereotypical view that a traditional black majority district therefore will elect a black uniquely can represent the district. Statistical evidence also underscored the, the illustrative map's extreme racial sorting. Another of the plaintiff's experts, Dr. Kusi Imai, computer-generated 10,000 district plans using a race-blind algorithm programmed to observe several objective district criteria. None of those plans contained even one majority black district. So this guy uses a computer. He goes through it. Every conceivable combination of interests for a community other than race. 10,000 district plans, not one of them is black. Dr. M.I. generated another 20,000 plans using the same algorithm, but with the additional constraint that they must contain at least one majority black district, none of those plans contained a second majority black district, or even a second district with a black voting age population above 40%. He's saying this is how it would work if it was actually neutral. The plurality of justices appear to agree that with the plaintiffs, they could not prove the first precondition of their statewide vote dilution claim, and he goes on. So rather than being race neutral, they must be race conscious. 
And just because you put people of the same skin pigmentation together doesn't mean they have the same interests. All these rural blacks with urban blacks. And same with whites or anybody else for that matter. And so what the Supreme Court did and what the media promotes and what the Democrat Party and various ethnic front groups promote are these districts which are based on race and race alone, even though it's unconstitutional. And if you don't have, in Alabama as an example, two, then obviously the legislature is filled with white racists. And yet they couldn't prove racism at all. Because what the legislature did and what the governor signed off on had nothing to do with race. It had to do with logical, geographic, community, and commercial line drawing. But John Roberts is desperate, desperate to receive a pat on the head from the left in the New York Times. Kavanaugh, as I told you when he was nominated, is not a constitutionalist. As I told a friend of mine, a judge, who kept calling me and telling me how wonderful Kavanaugh was, that he's not. And this is what happens. This is what happens. And so you have issues now being raised in Louisiana. You have issues now being raised in Florida. Issues being raised where the legislatures are not accused, other than by knuckleheads in the media and so forth, are not accused of race-based gerrymandering. In fact, quite the contrary. They're being condemned for not considering race when they created new districts which they're prohibited from doing. Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best, the best of Mark Levin. This is from Donald Trump on True Social. The corrupt Biden administration has informed my attorneys that I have been indicted. Seemingly over the boxes hoax, even though Joe Biden has 1,850 boxes in Delaware and so forth, with even more boxes at the University of Pennsylvania, and documents strewn all over his garage floor where he parks his Corvette, and which is secured, quote-unquote, by only a garage door that is paper-thin and open much of the time. I've been summoned to appear at the federal courthouse in Miami on Tuesday at 3 p.m., I never thought it possible that such a thing could happen to a former president of the United States who received far more votes than any sitting president in the history of our country and is currently leading by far all candidates, both Democrat and Republican, in polls of the 24 presidential election. I am an innocent man. This is indeed a dark day for the United States of America. We are a country in serious and rapid decline, but together we will make America great again. Uh, We've looked for the news information behind this. Um, Nothing nothing has appeared yet in the federal court docket. Um, People have reached out to the special counsel's office. They have not responded yet. And 
nothing is any in any media organization except what the president has said. So the president has said he's been indicted. And we are here for another hour and a half, and we are going to monitor this very, very carefully, obviously. And um, if he's been told he's been indicted, then I suspect he's been indicted. It's truly sickening. So uh, there you have it. I do not know the particulars at this point. Uh, Nobody does. And we will, uh, I'm sure, before this program is over, certainly by the third hour, we will have the particulars to report to you and to discuss at some length. Of course, like clockwork, I've been asked by Hannity on Fox to appear on his program this evening, so I will. And um, it's moments like this where I need to get out there, both on radio and TV, and speak to these matters. What we have here is a document case that was turned into an espionage case, that was turned into an obstruction case. All this obstruction, so-called, is uh, related to responses to what is this criminal investigation. In other words, had this matter never been criminalized, there never would have been an obstruction issue. And this creates a horrific precedent. A horrific precedent. At many levels. Number one, when Donald Trump left the White House, he was still president. He was still president at that time. Number two, on this issue of obstruction... You notice this is where prosecutors always go, obstruction. Why? Because they set up people. That's why. We need to know if this is every single document you have. Well, of course it is. And then you find another document. Oops. Okay, obstruction. Hillary Clinton destroyed thousands of emails. And they were destroyed in a way by her people that they could never be recovered. They weren't just deleted. They were destroyed so the entire digital platform was eliminated her people also destroyed her cell phones with hammers she was never charged with obstruction there was never a search warrant issued for her home where her where her server was placed, that she was illegally using on government business. Her unsecured server. She also used an unsecure server when she was overseas in the belly of the beast of many of our enemies. She was never president, despite her best efforts, despite her corrupt efforts with Russia collusion which means she doesn't have the protections of a president or former president. No armed FBI SWAT team ever showed up at her door. Never. She obstructed justice. She was not a former president. 
and she wasn't charged with anything. And yes, there's a parallel. That's a parallel. The case of Donald Trump, they criminalized this case as fast as they could. Isn't it amazing the impanel a grand jury in Florida that indicts the president within 72 hours? Pretty shocking, don't you think? Federal indictment. Don't tell me Biden didn't know about this. Now, as for the Attorney General of the United States, who pretends he has hands-off, the Attorney General of the United States has hands-on. He appointed Jack Smith, the rogue prosecutor, knowing full well that Jack Smith overreached in the case involving the former governor of Virginia, for which the Supreme Court unanimously overturned the conviction. He knows the Attorney General, that this same guy overreached with John Edwards in North Carolina when the jury refused to convict. And that's the man he chooses. Moreover, we're not talking about the independent counsel statute, which lapsed years ago. This is the special counsel regulatory appointment. The appointment is made and was made by the Attorney General. And in this case, the special counsel reports to the Attorney General, ultimately, and directly. Not the case with the independent counsel. So Merrick Garland knows exactly what's going on. He knows exactly what's being done. And the violations of normal prosecutorial ethics and procedures are unbelievable. The endless felonious leaks by the special counsel's office to the Washington Post, among others. The abuse of power by going behind the attorney-client privilege, going in front of a judge who's ruled in your favor over and over again, a judge appointed by Obama, who handles all the matters relating to the grand jury. This prosecutor insisted on questioning the attorneys, and in questioning the attorneys, getting attorney-client privilege information, which means you don't have a right to counsel. They call this the crime-fraud exception. I call it a fraud period. That ruling should never have stood and shouldn't stand, and I'm sure it'll be an issue on appeal. This prosecutor has refused to release, refused to release the memorandum that lays out the extent of his appointment authority. Why? Shouldn't we the people know? There's nothing confidential or secret about that. But defense counsel wanted to have access to that so they can make a determination whether they need to use it in, in appealing these matters. And, uh, of course, Jim Jordan has asked for it as well, as head of the Judiciary Committee. What's the secret? What's the secret? I want you to listen to Tim Parlator, former Trump attorney handling with Jim Trustee and others. The documents matter. On CBS News yesterday, I want you to listen to this. Cut 22, go. The Trump attorneys have raised questions about prosecutorial misconduct in this case. What did you witness? 
I witnessed a lot of misconduct. What did that look like? So I, uh, it's been reported, I went before the grand jury myself. Um, I was not subpoenaed. I went in voluntarily mm-hmm. um, as, you know, in the place of a custodian of records. And I was really stunned by what I saw in the grand jury room by the conduct of the prosecutors. You know, they made many attempts to, uh, to try to get at privileged communications. They would ask me about conversations with my client. They would make improper references to the jury, trying to mislead them about that. At one point, it got to the level where, you know, they're asking me this again, and then they turn to the grand jury and they say, so you're refusing to provide this information. No, I'm not refusing to provide. The ethical rules prohibit me. Even if the answer to this question is helpful, I'm not allowed to give it. And I turned to the jury and I said, and she knows it. She knows that it's an improper question. It's an improper inference. That then led to an exchange where she tried saying, well, the privilege has exceptions. It could be waived, yes. Well, if the president's so cooperative, why won't he waive privilege and allow you to tell the grand jury about his conversations? Why does that cross a legal red line? Well, that, that crosses a major red line as far as implying guilt to a jury based on the invocation of a constitutional right. It's the kind of thing that if that had happened in a trial court, the judge would have immediately you know, stopped everything, probably declared a mistrial. And it's the kind of thing that, quite frankly, an attorney, a prosecuting attorney who willfully does that type of thing would potentially face discipline. And I think that they probably will when this case comes out. Well, I have more information here. Reporter Nick Sorter on Twitter. President Trump has been indicted on at least seven federal charges including illegal retention of classified documents, obstruction, and conspiracy. United States of America. Makes me sick to my stomach. And I know his lawyers will fight this, and they must. And I hope the Supreme Court, I hope the weak links on the Supreme Court, in specific the Chief Justice Roberts, and Kavanaugh. I hope they fully comprehend what's taking place here. That Biden is running for re-election as a Democrat. That his attorney general who has targeted parents, pro-lifers, refuses to enforce the law when it comes to the border, who's going after Republican state legislatures, who's the most radical partisan attorney general in American history, A corrupt FBI, as laid out by the Durham report, an infamously rogue prosecutor who was brought back specifically to try and take out Trump. His whole family is all linked to the Democrat Party, particularly the Obamas. I hope they understand what's taking place here, and the timing of this is not lost on any of us. It's intended to affect the Republican primary and the outcome of this election. I don't know how old many of you are, but the oldest among us, you've never seen anything like this before, have you? No. Of course not. Neither have I. <laughs> 